A very good morning to my brothers and sisters in Christ and a warm welcome to our friends and visitors who have joined us for worship this morning. Thank you for taking time off your precious weekend to spend with us and we hope that uh, this morning's worship will be edifying to you. It's always good to see our brethren gathered together to worship God. And uh, this morning, we are actually starting on a new series of lessons about leadership. And so I've been assigned the topic of leadership of elders. You know, in this world today, God has established three great institutions for all of us. The institution of the home, the institution of the nation, and the institution of the church. And common among all these three institutions is the, lead, the need for leadership. For instance, in the home, the Bible tells us that the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. So leadership is required. In the nation, Romans 13 verse 1 tells us, for let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So we are to submit to the government. And it's no surprise that in the church, there is a need for leadership as well. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it tells us of Christ ascending to heaven and given gifts to men. And what are some of these gifts? The gifts of leadership. And the Bible says that Christ gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So these are the leaders that God has given to us today. Of course, we know that apostles and prophets, they are no longer officers that exist today, but they still lead us by the written word, the word that they have revealed by inspiration of God. They are still our guide today. But today, we still have evangelists, pastors, and teachers who serve as examples and leaders for us. Leaders are important because leaders in the church fulfill God's purpose. What is God's purpose for the church? Well, following on from verse 12 to verse 14, he identifies for us why leaders are needed in the church, why these officers, these, uh, this group of people are given to us. For instance, in verse 12, he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The New King James Version translates as, for the equipping of saints, for the work of the ministry. So you see, leaders are there to equip us to train us so that we can be effective in the work of the church. Sometimes we have the mindset that, oh, we have leaders now. We have elders now. It's time for me to take a step back because they can do all the work. But notice that Paul tells us that leaders are not there to do all the work. They are to equip us, to help us so that we can be effective in the work of the ministry. And they are also there to edify the church, to build up the church with the teaching of God. For what purpose? Verse 13 says, till we all come in the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the stature, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So you see, rather than leader, having leaders to make us feel comfortable to rest on our laurels, leaders are there to push us towards spiritual, spiritual maturity, to help us to reach the fullness of the measure of Christ. And also, leaders are not only there to unite us to be towards spiritual maturity, Verse 14 also tells us that leaders are there to uphold us against the spread of false doctrine. Verse 14 says that we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness wherein they lie in wait to deceive. So without leaders in the church, doctrines, false doctrines will creep into the church and corrupt the purity of God's church. So leaders are there to unite Christians as well as to uphold the truth of God's word. And leaders are important because what happens when there is no leadership? What happens when there is poor leadership? In the time of Ezekiel, God condemned the shepherds of the day. 
The leaders of the day were supposed to look after the welfare of the people, but yet they were selfish, they were indifferent to the people that they need, that they lead. They do not regard them, but they were more concerned about their self-interest. And God condemned them in Ezekiel 34 verse 4. He says, The disease you have not strengthened, nor have you healed that which was sick, nor have you bound up that which was broken, nor have you brought again that which was driven away, nor have you sought that which was lost, but with force and cruelty have you ruled them. So you see, when leaders, when there are poor leaders or when there's no leadership, we see that the weak will not be strengthened, the sick will not be healed. Brethren who are weak in the faith, nobody to take care of them. The broken are not bound up, the lost are not sought. When people leave the church, no one cares about their spiritual health. No one cares to restore them. So leadership is indeed important. And so in this morning's lesson, we shall consider God's plan for elders in the church. We are looking more specifically at the leadership of elders. So first, we'll look at the requirement for elders. Uh, we'll be looking at why do we need elders? Why are elders important? Then, we'll look at the responsibility of elders. What is the work that elders do? Sometimes we misunderstand about the work of elders do. We put unfair expectations on them. So let's consider what does God intend for them to do. And lastly, we'll look at the response to elders. Knowing what elders are supposed to do, what, how they help the church, then we look at how we should relate to our elders, how we should respond and treat our elders. Let's first consider the requirement for elders. I will not spend time to go through the qualification of elders. I think we'll do that so that we are more ready to have elders in this congregation. But I would like to, when I talk about requirement for elders, I'm referring more about the necessity. Why are elders needed in the church? And the first reason why elders are needed in the church is because it is the will of God. God's will is such that there must be elders. If you look at Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writing to the evangelist Titus, he says, For this cause left I in Crete. So Titus was not in Crete for a very important purpose. And what was his duty? Paul says that you should set in order the things that are wanting. The word wanting is so translated as lacking in the New King James Version. So there was something that was lacking in the city of Crete that Titus was tasked to oversee to make sure that it is done. And what was that? To ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So notice that Paul had a very important role for Titus to do. As an evangelist, he was there to preach the gospel. But one more thing that he had to do, a very pressing task that the church was lacking, was that of eldership. So this tells us that it is possible for churches not to have elders. But churches cannot be content not to have elders. In fact, a church without elders is one thing. So over here at Eastside, we don't have uh, elders yet, but we are aspiring towards having elders. We cannot be content with just having a group of men serving in the management committee to serve as elders. That is not God's plan. When we do not have men that are qualified yet, yes, that will probably be the most expedient way. But such a church is still lacking. They need to look towards a time that there will be elders in the church. Hopefully, by the time we reach our 10th anniversary or even 15th to 20th anniversary, we should have elders by then. If we do not have elders, we need to be very worried when men are not stepping up to serve as elders. In fact, we see that the pattern for the early church was that elders were ordained in every church. Remember that Paul and Barnabas, they had important work to do. They read about missionary journeys to establish churches, to preach the gospel, to help the lost to be saved. But subsequently, when they went back to the churches that they visited, that they established, what do they do? They ordained elders in every church. 
So they made sure that there was scriptural leadership so that the Lord's church can grow. And that was what they did. These serve as examples for us today. Every church should look towards the time that we need to have elders. In fact, a church that works against having elders, a church that rejects having elders in the church, actually is rejecting God. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, we see an incident where at this point in time, God was the king. Okay? Uh, they were under what we call theocracy. God is the king. So God was the ruler, but of course he appointed human leaders to lead them. So for the time of Moses, we see that God gave them laws, but Moses was the human leader to lead them in God's law. Subsequently, after the time of Moses, Joshua was the next leader appointed by God. After Joshua, there were judges that were raised up again by God. God chose these men to be judges over them. But subsequently, Israel didn't want that arrangement, partly because some of the judges were corrupt. For example, Eli's sons, they were corrupt priests, they were corrupt judges, so rejected that. Also, for the reason that they wanted to be like the other nations, they wanted kings. They rejected God's way of leadership, God being the ruler over them. They said, let us have kings just like the other nations. Let him bring us to war and fight for us. So they rejected the judges. And notice what did God say? God said to Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto you, for they have not rejected you. So when they rejected Samuel, they are not rejecting him. But in essence, God says, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So rejecting God's appointed leaders is actually rejecting God himself. So churches that reject having eldership, in essence, they are rejecting God. In some denominations, they do not want to have eldership. They prefer to have councils, synods to make rules, because they want to be able to have things that are proposed, brought up, and then they are the ones who approve them. Sometimes in the Lord Church, we want to have our say. We want to reject authority. We don't want to submit to elders. We want to have our voices heard. But that is not God's plan. God's plan is that there must be elders in the church to make decisions to help the church to grow. Of course, these men must be qualified men. That's why there are very strict qualifications for them in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Some of them we'll consider later. So God has strict requirements to make sure that they are scriptural and wise and knowledgeable leaders who are sound Christians so that they can make decisions for the good of the church. So elders are required because it is God's will. Elders are also required because it is a good work. Simply put, it is a good work. That is not what I say, but what the scriptures say. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, Paul says, this is a true saying. A true saying uh, is a something that is valid, something that is genuine, something that is correct. And what is he saying? If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Notice that uh, eldership is a good work. You know, there are sometimes we ask men to be elders. I remember that we were approached certain men to be elders. They say that, oh, uh, I don't want the honor. I'm okay to serve, but I don't want the honor. Well, they actually have a mistaken idea. The eldership is not something like an honorary title. Uh. It's not like you today people sit on many committees uh, as advisory heads. Uh. Not like that. Uh. Elders are there to do work. Uh. They are involved in a good work. So there's nothing wrong with desire the office of an elder because you are desiring a good work. Today, in Asian context, uh, we are very paise, uh, to put ourselves to, in positions of uh, authority. We say, yeah, later people think that I'm very holy and uh, I think I'm very good, I think I'm very capable. But that's not the case. You are there to serve. You are there because there is a need, a good work that needs to be done. You know, in the same way, sometimes people are uh, sitting in the MRT, uh, uh, they see elderly people come in. Uh, young people are hesitant to give up the seats. Uh, 
Why? Because they're scared that our friends decide to make fun of them. Uh. Hey, wow, you are young. Uh. People come only then you pretend to give seat. Uh, they say that they make a lot of uh, comments about them. So they don't want that. They don't want the embarrassment. So they, they say, okay, I'll just sit down. Uh. Hopefully nothing happened. Nobody will say anything. Okay. So that's something. Sometimes we have the idea also. Uh, yeah, ask me to be elder. Later I say I put up myself. Uh, people think that I'm trying to boast. But that's not the case. Uh. You give up your seat for the people because there's a need, right? So we serve as elders because there's a need. It is a good work. Remember, elders are doing a great work. It's a difficult work that they're actually taking on. So we shouldn't be making fun of them or even uh, judging them, but encouraging them to serve as elders if they qualify. In fact, it's a good work that God will reward. Uh. God recognizes and esteems his elders. In fact, Peter tells the, the elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, that when the chief shepherd, when Christ comes again, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So a promise is given to these leaders who do a good work, a difficult work nonetheless, but they will receive a crown of glory. God will honor them. God will glorify them for the work that they do. And elders are indeed needed because a church without good elders tend to be lukewarm. Okay, hear me out on this. A church that doesn't have elders tend to be lukewarm. What do I mean? There's a saying that says, uh, if you want to kill any idea in the world, get a committee working on it. And I think sometimes you can understand the truth of this statement, right? Have you gone to work in the meetings? Uh, go to meetings. Hours of long meetings. Then you ask yourself, what was the meeting for? Uh? Hey, nothing seems to get done. Uh. Okay. Why? In the meeting, people give up ideas. Give ideas. Everybody say, oh, good idea, good idea. Good idea until the time comes about who is going to do it. Oh, everybody has a reason why I should not be the one doing it. But eventually, someone has to do the work right. The job gets arrowed to a person. Then the person will start giving excuses and reasons why their work should not be done. So if you want to kill the idea, you get a committee. Eventually, the idea will not get, go get going. In the church as well, sometimes that's the case. Uh, you put ideas. Everybody say, okay, okay. Until getting someone to do it. Uh, then the person will say, I actually uh, got this problem, got that issue. Shouldn't be done. I remember that when we were talking about starting a new work uh, in Lima Pin, at the point in time, we had coordinators, uh, men leadership. Uh. But a lot of talk, but we couldn't get things going. Uh. Why? Because you're trying to build consensus. Everybody agree and support. Uh. Definitely, there'll be people who have a different opinion. Some will say that, oh, we don't have enough resources. Where's the manpower coming to come from? Some say, we don't have enough money. Other people are worried. What happens if the church fails? Uh? Little Eastside cannot survive. Lima Pin cannot survive. And now both are the poorer for it. So when there are men trying to make decisions, we have various opinions. It's almost impossible to come to a consensus where everybody supports the same idea. But when elders, is very different because elders are spiritually matured men. They do what is in the best interest of the church. If no one does it, a lot of times, elders are the one themselves taking on the responsibility. I remember when we started to have eldership, that is when the plan starts to materialize. Uncle Dian Singh, of course, we know he's the one who spearheaded the initiative. But he brought the ideas to the elders. The elders were very supportive. They said there is a need to be do done. There is a good work that needs to be done. And so we got the, they got the whole church coming to support the idea. So you see, when you have elders, projects, plans get moving. They get pushed ahead. But when you leave it to a group of men, sometimes nothing gets done. The church begins to go the path of this resistance. We decide to take the uh, least effort to get work doing. So that's what happens when we do not have elders. And elders are also required, not only because it's God's will, not only because it's a good work, but it's all essential for the growth of the church. For churches to grow, we need elders. 
Because when Christians are in churches without any eldership, they are as sheep having no shepherd. In the time of Jesus, Jesus looked at the multitude. Yes, they are leaders, but these leaders were not adequate people. So when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted, they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, there's a saying that says, uh, everybody's responsibility is nobody's responsibility. If you say everyone, let's do it together, and now nobody will do it. So when you have everybody coming as sheep together, uh, what happens? Something needs to be done, and now nobody will take up, right? If it's today we stay out of the church, everybody needs to be involved in evangelism. Well, if there's no plans, no programs, no effort to do it, and now what happens? Maybe if you can get 20% to do it, uh, we'll be lucky. Uh. We tell the church, everybody needs to read the Bible. Well, we know about that. But if you don't have a Bible reading plan, you don't have any progress for that, what happens? Again, people will go the path of least resistance. So people are like sheep. Uh. We need leaders in order to lead us, to organize us, to coordinate us. Only when there's leadership, there are programs, then people get motivated to do the good work. In fact, Moses recognized that God pe God's people need leaders. One of his chief concerns before his death was the appointment of leaders. He asked God to set the man over the congregation. For what purpose? In Numbers chapter 27, verse 17, he says, this leader will go out before them and go in before them. He will lead them out. He will bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord be not a sheep which have no shepherd. So eventually we know that God chose a very good leader for them in the person of Joshua. After Joshua died, notice that there was no one that stepped up to take leadership. What happens? We know what happened in the days of Joshua. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. Everybody did whatever was pleasing to them when there is no leaders in the among God's people. So we see that churches need leaders because a church without qualified elders to provide guidance risks going astray. As Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Okay. Of course, in this context, it's talking about prophetic vision. Where people do not have revelation from God, these people will perish. But we can apply it to the eldership as well. Where there's no one to provide leadership, to provide vision for people, to tell the people this is what we must do. What happens? Churches tend to become go astray. When there's no church, when there's no leaders to defend them against the false teachers, the wolves that are coming, churches will go astray. And you can probably understand why that is so. Because if you have a group of leaders coming together, well, these are men of different maturity levels, different levels of faith. The way and the way they regard things and do things can be very different, very different perspectives. Because these leaders may not meet the criteria for eldership. So they may not be spiritual matured men. And what happens when you put such men in the leadership? Well, they begin to think like the world. Sometimes churches begin to introduce instrumental music why so? Because they say to draw in the cross. Someone who is very secular-minded might say, uh, let's help the church to grow. Let's have instruments of music because that is what excites young people. Let's help the church to grow this way. Or some may have a different idea of how to use the lost money. They may say, to use the lost money for evangelism doesn't really help. Let's uh, invest the money. Then the money can grow and then we can do more for the church. Well, you grow the money. What happens after that? You say, oh, the money is growing now. See, it's working. Let's put more money in there to grow the money. Eventually, the money is not used for lost work, but it's being invested to grow the money. So you see when you have men of different ideals, of different backgrounds coming to lead the church, sometimes the church will not function in the optimal way. But when you have scriptural elders, people who will meet the qualifications, 
who are men of maturity. They will give the wisdom to lead the church in the right direction. So that's why we need leaders so that the church can grow and fulfill its maximum potential. Having established that elders are needed, let's now look at the work of elders. What are their responsibilities? And for this, I'd like to look at three pairs of terms, okay? three Greek words that are being used in the, Old Testament, uh, the New Testament that are used to describe the work of elders. Of course, the first term that we're using is the word elders or presbyters. These two are translated from the same Greek word, from the Greek word presbyteros. Okay? So the word presbyter is actually a transliteration. The word is being converted directly into English as presbyter. Okay. So this is the words that are being used to describe the work of elders. And each, each pair of this term actually describes the area of work that they do. So first, it tells us elders are literally an elder, a person who is of age, who is a mature. Okay. So elders, we see that they are referred to as presbyters, but they are different from evangelists. Okay. And we see the word presbytery, Tolita is being mentioned in 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. And this refers to elders. And how do we know that? Because the same Greek word for presbytery is the same Greek word for elders. That's how we know that these are referring to elders. But evangelists are not uh, elders. Uh, they are not pastors. Uh, okay, because pastors is used to describe uh, elders. Okay. In fact, sometimes when uh, I tell people that I work with the church, I'm a preacher of the church, they call me as pastor. Uh, but I actually have to correct that and say, no, I'm not a pastor. I'm a preacher. Okay. And we see that there's a difference. Because when we look at Ephesians 4 verse 11, it tells us God has said in the church, apostles, prophets, past, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So these evangelists and pastors are distinct and separate from one another. Later, we look at the word pastor to see that it actually refers to elders and not to preachers. Okay, And we see that the word elders or presbyters suggests to us that elders are to be men of Christian maturity. They must be men of experience, matured in the faith, to have wisdom to guide the younger Christians. Okay? So that's why they are not to be a novice. They are not to be a young person, an inexperienced person. They need to be matured in the faith. In fact, God gives us the reason why they are not to be novice. Because when you put up a young person to a position of authority, sometimes they can become puffed up. Okay? They'll be lifted up with pride. He may fall into the condemnation of the devil and he may stumble in the faith. So they are not to be novices but rather they are to be men who are, can be example to Christians. As 1 Peter 5 verse 3 tells us, the elders are not lost over God's heritage. They are not tyrants, they are not dictators, but they serve as examples to the flock. So these are men of maturity. They display good Christian character so that others can emulate their uh, example. That is why also 1 Timothy 3, there are a lot of qualifications for them, a lot of them having to do with the Christian character. And so for our, people, our men that are aspiring to be elders, uh, they have to prepare themselves to be good examples. But to be good examples, first, they need to be good self-examiners. Because a lot of times, elders correct other Christians in the sins that they do. But elders also have to correct themselves to make sure that they are blameless, that they are qualified to be the elders. As Acts 20 verse 28 says, Take it therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. So notice the elders are to take care of themselves first and then take care of the flock. You cannot be a good elder if you are looking at other people's fault, but not their own. As Matthew chapter 7 shows us that we must first pluck out the beam in our eyes before we can help to remove the speck in our brother's eyes. So elders have to make sure that they fit the qualifications 
to be elders and continue to be so. The next pair of words that describe another area of work they do is the word, the pair of words, bishops and overseers. Again, these two words are translated from the same Greek word, episkopos, simply put, and overseer, someone who oversees a work. So elders are also referred to as bishops and overseers. In fact, when you look at Titus chapter 1, verse 5, a verse that we have read earlier, where Paul tells uh, Titus to appoint elders in every city. And then he gives the qualification of elders. Subsequently, you notice in verse 7, he switches to talk about bishop. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. My question is, eh, how come from elders suddenly switch to bishop? Well, simply put, because these are the same office, the same term to describe the same office, but with a different perspective of the work they do. So they are bishop as well. And we also know that they are overseers because Acts 20, 28, earlier the verse we saw earlier, God had made the elders overseers. Acts 20, 17 shows us that Paul was talking to the elders at Miletus and then he told them that God had made you overseers. So we know that elders are also called overseers. And this term is quite interesting because this term illustrates that they actually have the work of spiritual oversight. They oversee Christians. They oversee their growth. They take care of the church and they watch over the souls of Christians. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, it tells us the elders have the rule over the church. In verse 4, it tells us the elders must rule their family well, having their children in subjection to them. And then verse 5, it says, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So this is the parallel, ruling the house and taking care of God's house. So it shows us that elders have rule. They lead, they have authority over the people. In fact, they do that so that they watch over the souls of Christians and they have to give account for every soul that they are looking after. So this tells us that elders manage people. They manage the church. And they also ensure that everybody is involved in the work. Everybody is fruitful in their service to God. And so when there are elders in the church, they will ask our Christians to serve. And of course, we need to support them and help them in this task, the heavy load that they are working on. So we need to have elders so that they can oversee our growth and put us through faithful service in God's kingdom. But of course, to be a good leader, aspiring, aspiring elders, they also need to be good servants because the way of leadership in the church is different from the world. In the world, when you're a leader, when you're the boss, what you do? You arrow people to do the work. But in the church, if you're a leader, you are the one who leads people in doing the work. This means that you must be involved in the work as well. In fact, in Matthew chapter 20, we see that Jesus' disciples were arguing among themselves who should be the first in the kingdom. Uh. And what did Jesus tell them? That they are not like the Gentiles of the world uh, to uh, fight over glory and honor. But verse 26 of Matthew 20, Jesus says, It shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. In fact, we see that elders in the church, oftentimes, they work harder than any other member. They are the ones to be the first to respond to any need. They are the, always the earliest in the church. They are the ones who help to serve the needs of people. These are the kind of servant leaders that God has given to us. And the third pair of words that we want to look at is the word shepherd and pastors. They is used to describe elders. Again, these two Greek words come from a single, and these two pair of words come from a single Greek word, which is poimen. And poimen is literally a herdsman, especially a shepherd. Okay. So that's how we know that elders are shepherds, are pastors. 
In fact, we see that elders are referred to as shepherds. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 2, Peter uh, says to the elders, The elders you, I exhort, I who also am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory which shall be revealed. Interestingly, notice that Peter calls himself a fellow elder. He puts himself along the same rank as the other elders. There's no such thing as one elder having authority over others. Elders are equal in authority. Okay. So Peter writes to these elders. And subsequently, he tells them to shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Okay. The New King James uses the word feed. Okay. But actually, shepherd would be a more accurate translation. Because the shepherd doesn't just feed the sheep. The shepherd also takes care of the safety of the sheep, right? When the sheep goes into danger, the shepherd helps to ward off the danger. When the, shep when the sheep needs help, the sheep will bleed for the shepherd. The shepherd will come and rescue him. So a shepherd will be a better word to show the, the work, work that they do. So we see here, elders and shepherd are used synonymously. And of course, when you look at the word pastor, they are translated as the same word as shepherd from the Greek word poimen. And so that's how we know that pastors don't refer to preachers. They refer to elders. Okay. And we see the word pastors, the only time they're mentioned is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And so pastors, shepherds, suggest a duty of pastoral care. They ensure the well-being of the church. And that's why they are to be apt to teach. They are people who are well-versed in God's word, able to teach God's word. Okay? And this is required because they are required to protect Christians from false teachers. When false teachers come to the church, they are supposed to be able to rebuke them sharply to help them to be sound in the faith. So they are to correct any false teachings that crop up in the church to make sure that we walk along the straight and narrow. And so since elders are responsible for Christians, they are responsible for their souls. They need to ensure their spiritual well-being. They are just like our fathers, spiritual fathers. They are like a doctor that attends to our care. So sometimes elders will ask us about attendance in worship. Well, we should not be angry with them uh, because they are doing the work of elder. They need to be concerned to know where have their sheep gone to? Have they gone astray? Do they need help? They will ask about attendance in worship. They also probably ask about your personal Bible study. How are you doing your spiritual life? Are you praying regularly? Again, don't take offense to that uh, because they are looking over your spiritual welfare. When you go yeah. and see a doctor, imagine uh, the doctor asks you, how, how are you eating? Uh? Are you eating healthily? Are you sleeping well? Uh? Do you get upset? Uh? Wow, infringe on my personal privacy. Uh. Why ask me all these personal questions? You don't. Uh, you answer them because you know that he needs to know so that he can treat, treat, out, treat us, right? So similarly, they are our shepherds. They are do, supposed to know how the sheep is doing. Is the sheep injured? Is the sheep weak spiritually? And so they need to ask these questions to know how we are doing. So don't be upset or take offense when they ask about our spiritual health. And they'll also be there. Remember, we talked about leaders to equip Christians so that they can be effective in the world of the ministry. So elders will be there to put members to serve. They will encourage participation in church activities, asking members to be involved, to teach classes, to be able to help out in events. And they also encourage Christians to be involved in Bible classes, to attend Bible mimic classes, adult classes. All these elders will ask us to do. And so when we have elders, support them in the work they are doing. Don't make their job difficult. When they ask us about our health, respond to them nicely, respond to them genuinely, let them know if we need assistance, if we need help, because such is the work of elders. But of course, for them to be good teachers, to be apt to teach, firstly, they must be good students. Uh. Titus chapter 1 verse 9 says that elders are to hold fast the faithful word as he had been taught. 
So they have to hold fast what they have been taught. Uh. This means that elders must be attentive listeners. Uh. They come to Bible class, talk to daydream, uh, or to think about other things. They come here to learn God's word. And when they learn God's word, they hold fast. They don't let it go. They don't go one year in, one year out. Their mind don't wonder. They focus on God's word. They take opportunities to learn God's word. They'll be there at Bible classes, at gospel meetings, even at lectureships. In fact, uh, Samuel's father, uh, oftentimes we look forward to seeing him, uh, Brother Chang Kun, at our 4C lectureship. Uh. He and Brother Eng, very good mm. examples. Elders who are knowledgeable in the faith. But every year they will come without fail to attend lectureship because they know that these are the periods of time they can grow in their knowledge, be more effective leaders and teachers of God's word. But elders need to be there. They need to be good students. And when they do that, the next part of the verse says, they may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You can't teach others unless you yourself know the Bible well. So elders need to be there. So we see the three pairs of words, elders, presbyters, bishops, overseers, shepherds, pastors. This tells us about the work they do. Men of experience, men who oversee the church, and men who take care of the well-being of the church. And so knowing the duties of the elders and how much they are doing and contributing God's work, how then should we relate to our elders? How do we respond to our elders? Well, again, I'd like to share about three things that the Bible tells us what we need to do to our elders. Firstly, to esteem them. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 and verse 13, Paul says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. So over you in the Lord, of course, referring to elders who are over us. They admonish us. Notice that even though they admonish us, we are to know them, we are to love them. We are to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So over here, Paul tells us that we need to know them that labor. We need to know them, not just with the surface knowledge, but know them intimately. Know their struggles, know their difficulties, know their heartaches. Bear the burdens together with them. That's what we need to do to help with our elders' load. And we also need to have an esteem for their work. Not just an esteem, but notice the Bible says, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. The work they're doing is a difficult work. It's a noble work. So we need to have a highest esteem for them. Okay? And then, you also say that we are to be peace with one another. So this means that we are to have our good terms with our elders. And in doing so, we need to be supportive of their decisions. Support not just say, I agree with what you are doing. Uh, but when they ask us to help out with the work, we support them as well. Whatever the elders ask us to do, we say, I will do my best to help you in the request. That's how we support them and to be at peace with them. And it's important for us to esteem our elders. Because if we don't esteem, we don't respect our elders, it is to resist God. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 tells us that every soul are to be subject to the higher powers. Of course, in this verse, we always apply to the government. But notice that it's not just talking about government. The principle applies to leaders that God has appointed. Every soul is to be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers there be are ordained of God. And of course, we know that elders are ordained of God. When Paul spoke to the elders at Ephesus, he said that the Holy Spirit had made them overseers. How did the Holy Spirit make them overseers? Because they are qualified by the Spirit's instructions. The Holy Spirit gives us the word, and when they meet the qualifications, it's as if the Holy Spirit had appointed them. So when they are qualified by the Holy Spirit, we need to subject to them. And verse 2 tells us, whosoever therefore that resists the power. So if we rebel against our elders, we don't listen to them. We are resistant against God's ordinance. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Just like the people in the time of Samuel, they resisted God's appointed leaders. God says, they have not rejected you. 
they have rejected me. So we need to esteem our elders because if we do not follow their lead, we are actually rebelling against God himself. Not only do we esteem our elders, we are to submit to them as well. We are to submit to them. Remember the word overseer. Word overseer shows that they oversee us. They rule over us. So when they rule over us, it also means that I must put myself under their rule. Again, Paul gives us various instructions what to do with our elders. He says to remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or the end of their conduct. So you look at that example, you follow their faith. Obey them and have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So notice that the Hebrew writer, uh, again, I'm assuming that it's Paul. Uh, okay, he says that we have to follow their example, follow the faithful example. So it means that whatever you see our elders do, we follow the same. We see their example coming for Bible classes, we follow them. When they are planning church activities, they attend them, we follow their example as well. The sheep, remember, they always follow the shepherd. Uh. Where the shepherd go, they will follow. So what we see our elders do, we follow, we can be sure we are in good hands. And then he also says, we have to obey them, they have to rule over us. Because they rule over us, we need to obey them. Obey them, not just in matters of what God said. The one we have no, 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 uh, no uh, disagreement with that. But obeying them even in matters of experience, decisions that they make, we obey them, we support them. And we are to submit ourselves as well. Okay? Just as wives are to submit to husbands, just as citizens submit to the government. And the Bible tells us that wives submit to the husband in everything. Uh, okay? So when we submit to the elders, it means we submit to them everything. Of course, the caveat being that they do not lead us against God's word. If they are preaching false doctrine, they want to introduce false doctrine to the church, that is where we must sound out. We must be able to stand up against them. But if something doesn't go against God's word, we support them in the decisions that they make. In fact, the Hebrew writer also tells us that if we do not submit to overseers, it is unprofitable for us. Okay? Because the Bible says that they watch for our souls. They give account. So don't make it hard for them. Don't give them grief but let them do it with joy. Sometimes when we make things difficult for elders, it's also not profitable for us. Imagine if you get upset when elders ask us about attendance. What happens? Then they probably won't ask us further. And then that is detrimental because nobody is watching for our growth. If we get upset with elders when they put us to serve, what happens? Then they won't put us to serve. Again, we do not develop in the faith. And so we need to be happy that there are people who are watching for us, who are getting us involved because this is the work that they do. We support them in this work that they are doing. The third thing we need to do to elders, and sometimes we forget about that, uh, is that we need to call for our elders. When a ship is in trouble, uh, the ship will beat. Uh. And who comes to the rescue? Well, you can be sure they're not the passerby that come. Uh. The shepherd will be the one to come to rescue them. So we need to call for our shepherds when we need help. In fact, James says in James 5.14, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. When we're not feeling well, let the elders know. Why so? so that the elders can pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So notice that when we have problems in times of need, call for our shepherds. Okay? When we have physical challenges, spiritual challenges, call for our elders, call for our shepherds. When we have problems, for example, health issues, let them know. Okay? We can't blame them for not knowing, for not caring. If they do not know, we need help. When we have problems in work, problems in relationships, let our elders know because they are the ones to be concerned about us. 
In fact, elders, remember, we talk about them being men of experience, men of wisdom. They know God's word well. They will be able to offer you wise counsel. In fact, when uh, I was chasing after my wife, we were dating at a point in time, uh, there were two people that informed them first, even before my parents, uh, about the relationship. Actually, I sought their advice. And these two happened to be former elders uh, because I know them that they are men of faith, they are men of experience. They know people, they know how to judge people. So I seek their counsel before I made the relationship official. Uh. Okay. The first person, of course, being uh, uh, two people, uh, one of my instructors at Forces, Uncle Peter Chin, and of course, Uncle Tien Singh, like a mentor, a friend to me. So these are the two people that I seek advice from, more even before my parents knew about it, because I trust that they can give good advice. So young people, use the experience of the elders when you want to look for jobs. Ask them, which one do you think is better? When you look for a spouse, ask them, is this person do you think is suitable for me? Will he help me to go to heaven? These are things that elders can help us in. And also importantly, ask elders to pray for us. In fact, the next verse in verse 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And when you talk about people who are righteous, oftentimes elders will be probably up there. They are men who are blameless. So when you call for elders to pray for you, you can be assured that the, power, the prayer is a very powerful prayer because God will hear a righteous prayer. So when you ask them to pray, oftentimes when we pray, we may not be as close to God as them. So ask for their help when we have sickness, they can pray for us. In fact, if we do not call for our shepherds when we need help, we are actually depriving ourselves of the support system that God has intended for us. Because God gave us a family. He says, if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. When one member honored, all members rejoice with him. So God has given us elders so that they can help us. They share in our grief, in our happiness. Let them be a part of our lives. So brethren, in this morning's lesson, we have considered God's plans for elders in his church. We spoke about the requirement for elders, why we need elders. We need elders because it is God's will, because it is a good work that needs to be done, and because it is essential for the growth of the church. We spoke about the responsibility of elders. What do elders do? They are elders, they are presbyters, so it suggests that they are men of spiritual maturity. They are bishops, they are overseers, so it suggests that they have spiritual oversight. They are shepherds, they are pastors, so it suggests the pastoral care that they have over the church. And we also discussed about the response to elders. How should we treat elders? Well, we esteem them. They are men, they are older than us, but of greater faith than us. We esteem them very highly. We have to submit to them because they are overseer. They oversee us, so we submit to their oversight. And we also call for them as our shepherds. They are the ones that take care of our needs, that are concerned about our souls, so we call for them. So in the, one of my favorite movies, in fact, my favorite movie of all time, The Dark Knight. Uh, okay, I remember that there was this scene uh, where the Commissioner Gordon, uh, he gave a eulogy of Harvey Dent at his funeral. He called him a hero. Not the hero we deserve, but the hero we needed. I think that this is actually a very apt description of elders in many churches. A lot of times, we don't treat elders the way they should. There are people that we need, but sometimes we don't treat them as they deserve. In fact, many elders in the church are oftentimes overworked, but underappreciated. I work closely with elders when I was in Limapin, so I can understand the struggles, the work that elders put in. You consider that many times after work, we go back home to unwind, to have a rest. But what do elders do? They don't just do that. They go and visit members. Who are those that need help? They need our care. They go and visit them. They spend their free time in the evenings preparing lessons so that they can be growing in God's word to be able to teach members. On weekends, we spend time with our family. We enjoy our leisure recreational activities. But for elders, what do they do? 
They spend hours, long hours in meetings, agonizing over the church affairs. There are supportive and capable wives who go back home with the children, take care of them. And they leave the elders there to agonize, even weeping over the problems of the church, over issues that cannot be resolved. Even during holidays, they don't take a break. Huh? They plan programs of the church. A lot of programs in the church falls on holidays. They spend a lot of effort promoting them, organizing them. But yes, sometimes we as members on holidays, we do not want to support the programs. It's letting their efforts down. But we see that in part of all the great work that they do, actually, I think the most difficult work is not this work. It's actually dealing with members. Sometimes even difficult members that they have to counsel, they have to help. In fact, this is not a recent phenomenon because a lot of times God's leaders have always been rejected by the people. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen rebuked the people. He says, You stiff neck, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. They resist the Holy Spirit also by rejecting the leaders that God has put in place for them. So today, if you reject eldership, we are rejecting God's rule. So brethren, God holds his shepherds in great regard, as so must we. In fact, the Bible tells us that elders who rule well, notice the word rule, uh, they have oversight, they are to be considered worthy of double honour. Uh. Honour them, esteem them very highly, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. That's their duty as the shepherds. They take care of the people, they rule over us, and so when they do that well, we give them double honour even though sometimes they may step on our toes because they may tell us things that we do not like to hear. But nevertheless, it's for our good. Honour them, treasure them. And to the friends that are with us, thank you for joining us this morning. I know this lesson may not sound very applicable to you because we are talking about eldership in the church. But before I end, I'd like to share with you a good news. There is a shepherd that cares so much for you. A shepherd that cares so much that he will die for his sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Our Lord Jesus is the one who loves you, cherishes you, that protects you. And even today, he has not left us shepherdless. He provides shepherds in the church so that we can be continued taken care of. But to avail us of these privileges, we have to be part of his flock. So will you hear his voice? Will you be part of the flock of God? Will you want to become his child? The plan of salvation has been revealed to us very clearly in the word of God. God has done the difficult part sending his son to die for us. The Holy Spirit has revealed God's instructions to us. If you are willing to become a child of his, to enjoy the spiritual blessings in Christ, well, the steps are simple, easy for us to follow. First, we have to hear the word of God. We have to believe in the gospel, believe in Jesus as the son of God. We are to repent of our sins. It means to turn away from things that we have done wrong in the past and be committed to following the truth as revealed in God's word. We have to confess Jesus as Christ before men, as the Son of God, and then to be baptized in water to wash away our sins and we begin a new life as a child of God, being a sheep in God's kingdom, in God's fold. And thereafter, we remain faithful under the oversight of faithful men serving as elders. And then we continue to be faithful to receive the crown of life. If any of you is subject to the invitation call, if you're right to respond to the gospel, do let any of us know and we'll be glad to assist you. Let us know as we stand and sing the hymn of invitation and encouragement. Have thine own way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. 
Mold me and make me after thy will. One life in and still. Have thine own way, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold on my being, absolute say. Fill with thy spirit, till all shall see. Christ only always living in me.